This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and joining me for part two of our 2020 quarterback positional preview is Mr. Matt Caraccio. Matt, welcome back. Paul, I cannot wait. Here we are, part two of the quarterback position what a position so far I mean when you consider what we've gotten through already we already heard the likes of Jalen Hurts we've talked about Justin Herbert we've talked about Jake Fromm I mean many would say those are some of the heavy hitters but I think part two is going to have a couple of sneaky players there that people are going to be excited about obviously Tua but there's another player that I'm ogling and I mean ogling in the very traditional sense of that word because I would tell you I think he throws the prettiest ball in college football. I just, I just said that. I think it's the prettiest deep ball in college football. It just that is, what, that is what we call a teaser, folks. Teaser. And we are gonna, teaser. We are going to we are going to get to that pretty deep ball rower in this episode. But let's kick it off with Brian Lewarki, the quarterback out of Michigan State. He's a senior, six foot three, 220 pounds. Last year, he grew for 2,040 yards, 54 point three completion percentage, eight touchdowns and 11 interceptions, chipped in with 184 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Last year at this time, Lewarki was getting a lot of hype and a lot of praise. And when we did the 2019 quarterback positional preview show, I said, hold down a little bit and said, I'm not seeing what others are seeing here with Lewarki, who some people had him as QB one last, you know, last drafts, uh, last preseason. Other people saw him as a first or, or early day two talent. And as the season unfolded, I think people's tunes started changing a lot. A lot more people started having question marks about this guy. Uh, when I watch him play, I think he's more of a third string practice squad type quarterback. Maybe he's got some upside to, and, and traits to develop into a backup quarterback in the future. I think we're talking more about a spread or West Coast timing based type quarterback. He's pretty solid. If you use up tempo concepts, you can use some RPO and zone read stuff as well. Uh, to me, he, his best attributes and strengths are above average arm talent in terms of velocity and strength to make most throws in the short to intermediate parts of the field. I think he's got good touch and average to above average anticipation. He's got good to very good athleticism and mobility to extend the play inside and outside of the pocket, can play off structure a little bit and pick up yards rushing. He can throw on the run, which allows the offense to move the launch point, and his athleticism and rushing ability allows him to be successful using RPO concepts. But I I question his ability to make NFL throws outside the number, push the ball vertically down the field in tight spaces. I think his decision-making leaves a lot to be desired. I have accuracy concerns on all three levels, his ability to handle pressure and go through progressions. So Luarki's got to take some great steps this year to show me that he can be a capable backup at the next level and be worthy of a draft pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Matt, any thoughts on Brian Luarki? No, I think, I mean, I think you covered everything pretty thoroughly, but I do think that he's been an enigmatic kind of quarterback for me as well. I mean, I saw flashes of great things, you know, at Michigan State, but then there were plenty of times where it wasn't really meshing. And I think last year was one of those moments where, like some of the other people who were, who were kind of interested in high on what he could be, kind of pumped the brakes and said, no, no, it doesn't look like it's going to really work out that way. Um, but I, but Paul, I mean, I'm sorry to be so like kind of, I don't know, I guess kind of excited. I'm kind of giddy. 
um, because I honestly really didn't have a good feel for this player until I watched him recently. But I had the opportunity to watch a player that, like I said, and I teased it earlier and we're getting right to him, I think he throws one of the prettiest deep balls in college football. And I'm talking about Utah State redshirt junior, six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five pound Jordan Love. I am in love with Jordan Love in terms of the throwing of the deep ball because he just throws such a catchable ball. You hear that all the time, catchable ball. You know, what is a catchable ball? A catchable ball to me talks about some of those, what we call those skill-based terms that we use, those anticipatory, those uh, touch type of throws. All of those throws that we talk about where we use those skill-based terms where we're really trying to say is he's able to coordinate and calibrate his body to every situation on the football field and he's be able to deliver the football on time for a player to make plays after the catch. And when you look at Jordan Love, I think that speaks only to a fraction of really what he's capable of doing. Not only do I think he has that arm talent in order to match the trajectory of the wide receivers and also to read the distribution of coverages, but he also adds pretty good agility in the open field as a rusher. And he has the capacity, he's shown the capacity to do a nice job in terms of going through his progressions. You know, when you watch his footwork, I know some people will look at his mechanics and say it's a traditional, but one thing I do work, look at is I love Love his feet. Now I understand that it's not perfect and it's not always perfect, but when he hits the top of his drop, there are times where he's automatically firing. He never looks like he's really searching and trying to figure out exactly what's happening on the field. He always seems pretty in tune with the moment and sensitive to the play on the field that's occurring. And while there is a good argument to be made that there was a maybe a marked differential between the talent he was facing at his level, let's say, than let's say the SEC or maybe even the ACC. I can, I can understand that discussion, but Jordan Love, man, he throws the ball for his ability to give his receivers the ability to make plays after the catch. He does a good job in the moment, in the pocket, reading and deciphering and looking at coverage and making the right decision with the football. And he does a great job, in my opinion, of I, I don't know how to describe this other than to say he just does a good job of rising to the big moments when the big moments occur. I, I definitely like him as a quarterback, and he's a player that really is a massive, massive surprise and riser for me. I, I'm excited. I think I see a starter in Jordan Love. Yeah, listen, I'm right there with you. When I talked on the previous part one of our podcast and said that the Reed King was one guy who pleasantly surprised me, but I said I said there were two guys that second guy was Jordan Love. I'm right there with you. I think he's got starting caliber traits. I think he could be a day two pick that could even push his way into the back end of day one. I think air raid spread style offense, up tempo, RPO concepts are all things that, that he can run comfortably at the next level. Are there some concerns? Sure. Level of competition isn't great. I'd like to see some development in his pre-snap reading, dealing with pressure and all components of dealing with pressure, decision-making, poise, mechanics, and footwork. But the things that he does well, man, I'm a big fan of that arm talent to make the NFL caliber throws outside the number, down the field, his athleticism, mobility inside and outside the pocket, throwing on the run, playing off structure when needed, throw from multiple arm angles with a quick release to get the ball out to his playmakers, above-average accuracy to all three levels of the field, getting through progressions. 
everything about it that I I see a guy who I think could be an impactful player at the next level who gets me excited. excited. So Jordan, excited. yeah, Jordan Love is one of those guys who I, I, I I'm gonna say this. Last year, I think us and a few other people were were much higher on Will Greer than than the consensus. I mm-hmm. think. I think Jordan Love might be that guy. He's not getting the attention of the Justin Herberts, the Tua, even the Fromms or the Jacob Eason's of the world. He's I don't like even the, he's like I don't even know the fifth uh, guy or sixth guy in the discussion. Yeah, and I, I I think even KJ Costello's getting more hype as maybe a future NFL prospect than Jordan Love. But like when I watched Will Greer last year and came away excited. That's what I kind of see with Jordan Love. I think he's going to be a guy who I don't know what other people are going to think of, but unless he really has a str- struggles this year, he's going to be a guy I'm excited about and really intrigued by his skill set. Well, listen, I don't want to spend this entire you know episode having a love fest for love, but I mean, I do want to echo the same thing you said about you know throwing from multiple arm angles, being able to throw from different arm slots, the idea of being able to throw on the move. He 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 genuinely gets me excited to watch the position. And I I feel like I can go out there and catch the passes. I really do. I feel like if I go out there and I run a route, he's gonna put it on my numbers and it's gonna be so soft, just kind of like a just like kind of like throwing a teddy bear and catching it. Because I think it's gonna be that type of ball. He's that good at matching what his receivers can do. And and I don't wanna I don't wanna belabor that, but I don't wanna dismiss that. When we talk about things, when we say things like arm talent play speed, touch, when we talk about those ideas, we're talking about that 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 multi-sensory skill level of the quarterback to be able to calibrate their body and deliver the football in the timing and space needed for his receiver to make the catch and run after the catch. That is not easy to do, and I think he does a good job of it. So, Paul, let's move this discussion on. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's move this discussion on and let's take a look at the next player that honestly he he's he's exciting in the sense that I had never gotten a chance to watch him until this year, and that's Cole McDonald at a Hawaii, the redshirt junior. He's six foot four, two hundred and five pounds. He last year he had three thousand eight hundred and seventy five passing yards, good for fifty eight point nine percent completion percentage, thirty six touchdowns to ten interceptions. And he rushed for 359 yards and four touchdowns. Paul, I don't know what you what you thought of Cole McDonald, but I mean, I see a legitimate good backup quarterback. I, I mean, I think he has the chance to be that at the next level. Yeah, listen, I have written down backup quarterback, scheme fits, air raid spread, RPO concepts, debris style quarterback, good to very good arm talent in terms of his velocity and strength, can make every NFL caliber throw when needed, good athleticism and mobility to extend the play inside or outside the pocket and playoff structure, throw on the run when needed, good decision-making and processing speed with the ability to go through progressions at times in his scheme. Concerns? inconsistent accuracy at all three levels of the field. I think he's got to clean up his mechanics, his release, his footwork, his ability to play, uh, show poise and play under pressure uh, are all concerns in developmental areas. I think I think he shows functional and, and above average or, or good in most other things. You know, the mental processing, the decision-making, the rushing ability, throwing on the run, touch, anticipation, toughness. I think those are all functional. So I think, I think he's got a lot of traits that are functional, a couple that are I would consider strengths. But the accuracy and, you know, some of the other stuff with his mechanics and release, 
I think are, are concerns. And I think, but not concerns that I don't think he's a guy who can make it. I think he's going to make it. I think he's a guy who could be drafted on day three next year and develop into a functional backup quarterback at the next level. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'd like to see his, you know, accuracy improved this year. I think that's his one point that if he, if he can show better accuracy and I don't care about the percentage number per se, but I just thought when I watched him and broke down his film, I just thought there were, there were areas of his game that accuracy he needed to clean up a little bit. And if he cleaned up those areas, you know, I think he could be a serviceable backup quarterback, you know, sometimes accuracy, you could, you know, it always comes back to Josh Allen at times when we have conversations and people know, and I, and still know that I defend Josh Allen a lot. The, Concerns about Josh Allen's accuracy are are legitimate, but they were offset by some really rare things that he did. And that's the difference. Yeah, what, do I want Josh Allen to be more accurate? Sure, but I can live with his inconsistency because of some of his rare other traits that he had. A guy like Cole McDonald, I can't live with the accuracy issues because he doesn't have the other traits that stand out, that are rare, that are elite. So for him to make it, I think he does have to show a little bit better improvement in accuracy. Well, and, and talking about that idea of being able to settle for certain things based on other capacities that maybe a player possesses in terms of the way they solve problems on the field, that brings us to a really interesting case study in terms of UCF quarterback senior, five foot 11, 185 pounds, Mackenzie Milton. Last year, he had 2,663 yards, good for 59.2% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns to just six INTs, and he rushed for 307 yards and nine touchdowns. I mean, you talk about a player who who, very similar to Cole McDonald when we're talking about a player who has concerns, but they're offset, um, where Cole McDonald may not have done that in a way that gives you maybe the perspective that they could start maybe. Um, I, I think Kenzie Milton is a backup quarterback, but has the chance to maybe become you know a spot starter if the situation arises. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he brings a little bit more of a, in, in the movement world, we'll say that, they bring solutions that are robust, right? They're, they're, he has the ability to um, handle different types of situations using his agility, his ability to move, his ability to throw on the run, his ability to handle kind of the pressure outside of the pocket. He has that ability to play, quote unquote, off structure. And that's the type of player that if we're going to get into the NFL now, we're seeing slowly that moving the launch point, moving the quarterbacks around is becoming something more and more valuable. So Mackenzie Milton, I think, can offset some of his concerns, which are really that ability to kind of get vertical in terms of the passing game with his ability to win underneath in short and intermediate areas, but also to win while being on the move. And that's something that I think is very impressive for Mackenzie Milton. And I think that's something that could end up piquing some interest of NFL teams. Paul, what do you think of Mackenzie Milton? Yeah, I mean, if you if you rewind two years ago, you know, he had he had quite the statistical season uh, there. Obviously, last year, the injury, that was a gruesome injury that he's coming back from. So there are some legitimate health concerns uh, and durability concerns. But I think he's a guy that fits at the next level. Like if we've seen guys like Colt McCoy be a backup quarterback in the NFL, Case Keenum, I think I think Mackenzie Milton can make it at the next level. I think, you know, his his talent level to be a backup quarterback to potentially in a West Coast or timing based offense 
or an air raid or a spread, some RPO zone read concepts. I think he can fit in that regard. I like his athleticism and mobility. If you're healthy to move around inside and outside the pocket to extend the play. I think you can move the launch point consistently with him. I like his quick release. I think he could throw from different platforms and different arm angles, which allows him to compensate at times for his lack of size. I thought his touch and anticipation to lead receivers is nicely done and accuracy in the short to intermediate parts of the field. But ball placement, accuracy vertically down the field, inconsistent on NFL pros outside the numbers are, are areas that I think he struggles a little bit. But if he's asked to be a little bit of a caretaker and be that backup to kind of keep the chains moving in a West Coast type offense, I think he could could have a role at the next level. Yeah, and I think that's what I think is so intriguing about him to see where he ends up settling, especially with the health concerns. You know, it's something that I'm excited to kind of hopefully see him come back to full strength from. So as we move on from UCF, we're going to go to the state of Colorado and take a look at the senior Steve Montz at six foot five, two hundred and thirty five pounds. I mean, last year, uh, Steve had 2,848 yards, good for 64.7% completion percentage, 19 touchdowns to just nine INTs, and he rushed for 238 yards and four touchdowns. So, I mean, if you're watching LaVisca Chenault um, <laughs> as a wide receiver, then you've had many glimpses of this quarterback. And in terms of who he is, you know, Paul, I mean, this is, uh, you know, a person that, listen, he has tools but I don't see him as a starter. And, and that's, that's kind of where I'll leave it. So, I mean, I see somebody who can throw the football. Um, he has the physical tools, but he hasn't really integrated it well to the situation. There's just times where I don't see him necessarily going through his progressions. I see hesitancy. I see a little bit of lack of conviction in what he's doing. And a lot of that is indicated in the, the lack of footwork and the kind of precision of movement that we talk about when we're trying to gauge a solution. We try to look whether or not it was a rational movement. And we talk about you know, their motor wit and their ability to move precisely. I didn't see precision of movement in a lot of what he did. And that just indicates to me that there's maybe some kind of ancillary processing problems going on, whether it's the coverage or his wide receivers, or maybe even both. So that alone has me a little, you know, kind of gun shy about uh, Steve Montez at the, at the next level. Yeah. And listen, I think you basically, classified him perfectly i mean in terms of what i have i wrote down backup quarterback with natural physical tools to possibly develop into a spot starter uh offense that emphasizes vertical based passing concepts up tempo uh, rpo concepts i have great size and frame very good arm talent in terms of velocity and strength to make the NFL throws outside the numbers or vertically down the field, combined with good athleticism and mobility for his size to cons- consistently extend the play inside or outside the pocket. Uh, but even with a- a- above average accuracy to all three levels of the field with good ball placement and vertical passes, and I, sh- I thought average to above average touch and anticipation. But for me, the things that you harped on are the reasons why I don't see more than a backup quarterback with upside to develop into a spot starter. The mechanics, the footwork, progression, pocket awareness, decision-making, and poise under pressure. I think those are all areas of concern or developmental areas that unless he shows growth in them, I think we're talking about a day three prospect who basically profiles as a backup quarterback. He's got some tools. And you talked about him and I talked about him, but he's got to put it all together uh, if he wants to be more than, you know, a backup at the next level. 
Well, let's take this party and let's move over to Michigan and let's take a look at the senior there. Six foot two, 205 pounds. I'm talking about Shea Patterson, who last year passed for 2,600 yards, good for a 64.6% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns to just seven INTs. Shea Patterson has been on the radar, so to speak, for, for years for those of us in Devi leagues. And he's a player that, again, um, he's going to be a little bit polarizing and by polarizing, I don't mean some are going to think he's great and other that are going to think he's terrible. I think some people are going to think he's functional at the position and others are going to think he's a waste of a pick. And I think there's going to be that dichotomy, you know, and I think that's not necessarily, um, entirely reasonable. Um, people forget when his freshman year, when he was at Ole Miss, what he did when he came into the game, um, he really was good, you know, uh, you know, in that offense at Old Miss, he really was uh, very good in that offense. But then year two, it kind of unraveled for him, and there was a whole lot of turmoil surrounding the Old Miss Rebels at that point. So it wasn't necessarily, uh, I think, a fair assessment of where he was at. But then he transitioned to Jim Harbaugh, and people were like, oh, this is going to be the match made in heaven. And it just really hasn't manifested that way. But I don't want that to overshadow like who he is as a quarterback. I mean, listen, right now I still think he's probably a backup to starter level player. Um, you know, overall in terms of who he is, he wins on the short to intermediate areas of the field. He's a player that in terms of um, being able to play, uh, quote unquote, inside or outside the pocket. He's a player that doesn't mind being on the move. He's a player that can calibrate and make throws on the move. He is a player who I think throws the ball with okay anticipation, I think there are times that you could see there's some complexity that he has a little bit of an issue dealing with. Sometimes I think you see that in the pocket from him um, and not as much as when he's on the move. Nice. And, and, and this is something that I think is really underrated about him. I think he has, you know, a really, really nice uh, quick release down the field. And that's something that I think can't be um, overstated when you're talking about the next level and having to pass at the next level. So I, I mean, Shea Patterson for me, Paul, I don't, I don't know how you felt about him, but Shea Patterson for me is still going to be a player that I think you're going to see a team invest in. Yeah, I'm intrigued by him still. And I wish he didn't, you know, I was excited about him going to Michigan because I thought it was maybe going to raise his profile a little bit, but their offense is so vanilla oh, that, you know, I, you know, think about if he would have been the guy who transferred to Oklahoma and maybe he was next oh, in line Heisman. after Baker, Heisman. after Baker, after Kyler, and maybe Shea Patterson was waiting in the wings for this year instead of Jalen Hurts or something along those lines. Or if he would have went to Texas and he would have, you know, he would have been the quarterback there instead of, instead of Ellinger. Like, you know, so – I think they corral him too much. I think he's a playmaker. You got to let a, you got to open it up. You got to be creative. And I just don't think that they do that for him because I do think he's a backup quarterback, but the skill set to develop into a spot starter or low end starting caliber quarterback in the right system. I want to see him more open up offense the air raid, the spread, up-tempo, RPO and zone read concepts, get him on the move, move the launch point. I think he's very comfortable throwing on the run, playing inside and outside of the pocket, making plays when the play breaks down or off script, whatever you want to call it. I think he shows elusiveness to move around in the pocket and the open field and pick up yards. I think he has the 
can make every NFL caliber throw due to his arm talent in terms of velocity and strength. You talked about the release. I think we've talked about it multiple times tonight. I think he can throw from different platforms to get the ball out in multiple arm angles and positions. So there's a lot to like about him. Yeah, he's got things to work on. Vertical downfield ball placement and accuracy, the decision-making and pocket awareness, the mental processing, all that stuff are, are things at time being too aggressive, maybe not so much in Michigan, but that was still from his days at Old Miss. I think, you know, at times he's a little bit too risk uh, and too aggressive, but I do think they need to open it up and let him be more creative. I think they're they're trying to not they're not catering an offense to the skill sets that I think Shea Patterson can bring to the table. And it's unfortunate because you talk about, we, I know you're at the forefront of talking about problem solving. I think Shea Patterson is the guy who can solve problems in a lot of different ways on the football field, but I don't really think Michigan puts him in the opportunity to use that toolbox and problem solving skills that I think he does have and possesses. Well, and, and I don't disagree with you and not to get off to on tangent, but Shea Patterson was one of the most incredible high school players I had ever seen. And what I mean by that is not to say, listen, I love Trevor Lawrence was far and away better. Don't get me wrong. I, when I watch Trevor Lawrence, same thing with Justin Fields. Don't get me wrong. But Shea Patterson was right up there as one of the most impressive high school quarterbacks I had a chance to watch. He looked great in high school. He was making plays like a shortstop. And I know that analogy doesn't always work for everybody, but I think it's a great analogy when you talk about problem solving he solves problems on the football field. He's capable of solving them like a shortstop. It's not something that you're going to put into the bucket of being a classic quarterback, but I think we have to stop getting away from that as we start graduating, as Paul was alluding to, to this idea of something that we've been talking about for years on Saturday to Sunday. We've been talking about it for years, and that's, you know, Football is a space game. It's an invasion game. It's about gaining territory. And the idea that we get lost in the dogma of how that should happen, I think really inhibits us from appreciating players like Shea Patterson. So yeah, it's not pretty all the time, but like Paul said, what if there's just friction between the way in which he's being utilized relative to the type of authentic player that he truly is? We talked about who is skill, what if who Shea Patterson is as a quarterback is in direct oppositional um, capacity to what Michigan wants him to be? Because we don't know what's going on in coaches' rooms, in quarterback rooms. They're like, you know, they could be saying, hey, Shea, stop. Stop getting out of the pocket. Okay, we, we, we don't. We want you in the pocket. That instruction alone is going to shape his behavior the next game. And we have no idea of knowing if that's ever the case. And I know that says, well, he's supposed to be adaptable. Well, he should be able to adapt. Not if your coach is telling you we're benching you if you don't stay in the pocket. That's a yeah. real thing. I mean, it is real. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right, though. It, he, he, I really hope they allow him to expand uh, and they open it up and be a little bit more creative this year because I do think – I do think their scheme and what they're asking of, of him is holding back their offense a little bit. And it would be nice to kind of let his, let him open his wings a little bit. Well, listen, we got three more players left, Paul. But I, do we agree, though, that we could see – is Shea Patterson somebody we could earmark as a potential riser? Could he have that meteoric rise with a big year? Yeah, I think he could rise. I, th- I, th- I think – I definitely think he could be uh, someone that rises uh, – but he's also been a guy we've talked about a lot for a long time that if he doesn't show much growth this year, 
it's a lead brick. It's a lead yeah, brick attached exactly. to it. Yeah, yep, exactly. I agree. And and then maybe it's just a, a, a late day free, you know, stab that somebody says, you know what, we think there's a little bit more there than meets the eye. We'll see if we can get what, out of him on what the if, what, if, what if I told you I have feelings for him like I did for Jared Sidham? Yeah, I can I can understand that. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. like where 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 we're like we just can't quit what we know is maybe bad for us, but then all of a sudden Jared Stidham and what they have in common, they poor, poor offensive schemes. Choices that, for them. Poor for the, choices. Poor choices for them. And their coaching staff not fitting the offense to their skill set, but trying to fit a square peg in a round hole is basically what happened with Jared Sidham at Auburn. And I think it's happening with Shea Patterson in Michigan. And and that's why I think their evals have are so challenging, to be honest with you. Yeah. And what about what about talking about square peg round hole? How do you think the system at Temple fits Anthony Russo, the redshirt junior? He's six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds, and last year he had two thousand five hundred and sixty three yards good for 57.4 percent completion percentage that would be for 14 touchdowns to 14 ints paul i have not gotten to anthony russo yet so we're gonna kind of lean on this one what have you seen for him yeah so anthony russo is a guy who was not really on my radar but it was tony pauline of draft analysts and chris Tripodi of draft analysts who who brought him to my attention there's not a lot of film on him available so this is a little bit of a profile on some limited uh limited film there's a little bit but not not a lot that i would normally like to see but this is a guy that tony was very high on that thought he was maybe a top 100 type player so that piqued my interest when i heard that so i figured i had to might as well check him out uh there's some things to really like about him. He's got the prototypical size and frame. His arm talent, I think, would be in the good to very good category. He can make every NFL throw. He can push the ball outside the numbers. He can push it vertically down the field. I like his competitive toughness. A guy you you see willing to stand tall in the pocket under pressure and take a hit as he releases the ball. I think he's got the ability to throw a good touch and anticipation, and he's got the ability to change velocities when needed to take some off or put more on it. I think he's got average athleticism and mobility to move around inside and outside the pocket to extend the play when needed. Areas where I, I have some worry and need to see him show big development to be that top 100 type player, accuracy. All three levels of the field, he has to show better accuracy overall. Uh, he's got to take care of the football better, cut back on the turnovers and overall decision-making and show his mental processing capabilities and his ability to play under pressure. I said I thought his backup NFL role was a backup quarterback, but I sort of natural physical tools that would get an NFL team excited. So I thought he had the natural physical tools to develop into a starter. Uh, so that's where I kind of am with him. Uh, I think he, you know, in terms of pro style or spread with heavy emphasis on vertical based passing concepts. I think he could be a riser that I put a late day two, day three grade on him because I do think the NFL could be more intrigued with him uh, than maybe right now the public perception is. Well, I mean, you're talking about people with physical traits and people that are going to get NFL teams excited. I think Iowa State senior, six foot four, two hundred and forty two pound Nate Stanley is going to get some teams excited in terms of his overall physical presence on the field because for last year he had 2,852 passing yards good for 59.3% completion percentage 26 touchdowns to just 10 interceptions and he's a player when you're looking at him in terms of his overall just physical strength his ability to push the ball down the field his overall mechanics and his release I mean 
he's a player who I think is going to get teams excited because of that physical capability. Um, his athleticism and his overall mobility is pretty good as well. Um, he does have the capacity to throw on the want run, but as you said, Paul earlier, um, the biggest concerns are his accuracy. Can you unpack that a little bit more for us? Yeah, I mean, I just think when when you watch him play, this is another guy last year was generating some before buzz. last year buzz that of maybe being around one guy. And I, yeah. I didn't see it when I didn't see it last summer and I didn't see it during the course of, of this past season. I see I see glimpses of why people get excited. The size and frame is there competitive toughness, you know, make him hard to take down inside the pocket. He's got a little bit of that Ben Roethlisberger ability to stay alive in the pocket and kind of, you know, guys bounce off him a little bit. I think he's got good arm talent in terms of his velocity and strength. He can make any of the throws needed. I think he's got good mechanics with a clean release and aver- but average footwork on his throws. I think he shows the ability to throw it but about average or functional touch and anticipation and his athleticism and mobility for his size and position to move around inside the pocket or on design rollouts. But the accuracy or concerns for me, his pocket presence, decision-making poise under pressure. I, I classified him very similar to Anthony Russo. He's got traits backup quarterback role with a chance to develop into a low end or spot starter. I think I probably would say definitively day three, but if I'm trying to make an accurate projection, I would say he's got a shot at late day two. There still seems to be more buzz around him again this year. So I put him on that late day two, day three buzz. I think he's got to be in a pro style offense with emphasis on play action and vertical based passing concepts. So I still think there are other people out there that see more right now than I do on him. I see traits but I don't see a finished product that that wants me to say yet uh, he's got top hundred, you know, talent. Yeah, you see, you see a rich cabinet of ingredients. But whether or not we're going to integrate that into being a functional player at the NFL level, different story altogether. But I think we're going to finally end with the player that I think for me is. I mean, I can't write an homage quite like I Paul. It's poetry. I mean, it's just sheer poetry. I mean, even his, even the alliteration in his name, Tua Tengavaloa. I mean, it just flows, right? It flows. It flows. I mean, how could you not be excited about the man that has now goes by his first name almost exclusively by many people? But Tua Tungavailoa is absolutely the gem of this class. One of the gems, regardless of position, I believe in this class. And I can't say enough good things about the Alabama product. The junior six foot one, 218 pounds. And last year he had 3,966 passing yards. Good for a 69% completion percentage, 43 touchdowns to just six interceptions. Paul, I, I, I almost feel like we've talked about him so much that what, what is there really to say about him that maybe we don't know? I mean, everything ready. We can play a game right now. You tell me if it's a check or not a check for him. Okay. So we'll start with the obvious one size. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. And then the fact that we, that's about probably the only thing we're going to disagree, right? It's like, eh, that's about the only thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Arm talent. Yeah. He's got the arm talent. can make any bro check. Okay. The ability to make plays inside and outside the pocket on the run, moving left, moving right. Check. Yeah. Unbelievable. Check. Yeah. Unbelievable. That, that's like, that's like check plus. Like that's check plus one, plus. Of, one of his calling cards. Yeah. You get a sticker for that one. Uh, 
arm talent, accuracy, ball placement, play speed overall. Yeah, check, check, check plus, plus. Like, I mean, plus, he, plus, plus. Yeah, I mean, he, all of it. Yeah. The only thing that I'm actually going to give him a, a question about is what do we think about poise? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's hard, it's hard to knock a guy who won a national championship coming off the bench. Yeah, like I, I here's the thing with Tua. If the the questions people want to bring up, if 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 you take away the last game or two of last season, yes, I don't even it. think there there's no questions. I mean, right now the questions are decision making and poise under pressure, durability and health concerns, which were legitimate. He seemed to be battling like an ankle injury most of last year. I guess at times he could be a little bit over aggressive, but I mean we're nitpicking and making in-game adjustments because we saw what's always worked is mostly worked, but then when he sometimes faces something that doesn't work, we got to see him be able to, you know, pull, bring something else out of that toolbox and 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 use it to solve problems on the field when maybe something that he normally does hasn't been working. But 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 that's nitpicking with this guy. This guy, we already went through that. We didn't even talk. I think he's maybe one of his best traits. His ability to throw a touch and make anticipation throws, I think is outstanding yep. for a college quarterback. You know, absolutely outstanding. His athleticism. We talked about that a little bit. You know, keeping his eyes down the field and throwing on the run when the play breaks down and when he's moving around. You know, he, amazing in that regard you know what he did as a as a freshman like there you know the game experience that he has I think you know sure I would say he can show a little bit of growth in going through progressions a little quicker pre-snap decisions but but he already does them adequate he already does them functional he already does them capable of, of good enough to be at the next level so we're nitpicking size durability health concerns you know what quarterback doesn't you know, you know, what quarterback is great at handling pressure? Nobody, you know, you, you know, that's something that almost all college quarterbacks, you know, are still developing in that area. So, so we're nitpicking here. I'm Listen, gonna, I'm going to say this. I don't mean to interrupt. I've been in love with him since high school. We told you guys to draft him already two years or three years ago. He's done nothing but shown he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He doesn't need anything else to do. Yeah. And he should be a giant. He should be a giant. Sorry, Daniel Jones. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel Jones, but I wanted to. Uh... Next to where it says NFL draft projection, I want to put number one overall pick. That's what I want. He's going number one. No offense to Justin Herbert. I would be stunned, stunned. if Tua is not the first pick in this draft. So I put him at top five. I think you could almost write his name into the Miami Dolphins at pick one. You know, so so unless something happens this year and 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 Herbert pushes the envelope a little bit, I think they both go top five. I think Tua goes one. I think Herbert probably goes two or three, whether it's a trade up or a quarterback needy team is picking there. But Tua checks off all the boxes. I mean, if we're going to sit here and get, you know, beyond excited about Kyler Murray, we should be that much more excited about Tua as well. He's another player that's going to change the position a little bit. He's going to be another one of those guys when we talk about smaller guys, because maybe he's not even six one. Maybe he comes in at six feet. Who knows? And who really cares? Because he's already shown that he can get the job done he you know all the things that he can do is just fantastic i'm excited to watch him yeah it gets boring sometimes with alabama always being at the top but two is so fun to watch that during his time i, I i've been less 
caring that Alabama just steamrolls people because he's such a pleasure and joy to watch on the football field to me. And that's fun when you get those type of guys. You can argue right now that no player can lay claim to maybe being the change agent that is Nick Saban. Nick Saban was the most out of character in his utilization of Tua. He puts him in as a freshman, wins the national championship. He starts bucking the trend of becoming the ground and pound offense and becomes this more air raid kind of space passing game oriented kind of team. I think that has a lot to do with Tua and it has a lot to do with what he showed in practice, the type of leadership he showed probably off the field. Nick Saban doesn't give the keys to the Ferrari over very easily. And we know he doesn't take any kind of direction from his players as being a freshman or a sophomore. So this kid, he made one of the most successful college, you know, coaches in the country change his tune about how he's going to run his offense. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. I love Tua and he's left-handed. Just want to throw that out there. Happy left-handed day to everybody, but he is, he was left-handed and that's one of the things that makes him very unique. He reminds me a lot, Paul, of Russell Wilson. I mean that he reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. He brings, I I think he's a guy that's going to age well in the NFL. Like when he's not able to run and move, if he wants to, he'll be able to play within structure inside the quarterback, but he'll be able to play in the pocket. He's going to age very well at the position. So I think he's a player that somebody's got to grab immediately yeah listen i am right there with you uh, we've been loving Tua for quite some time you've you've been loving him for even longer than me and telling me about him when you watch this high school film so it's going to be fun to kind of see one more year probably of him before it culminates with him leaving school early to go into the 2020 nfl draft so there it is guys 18 draft eligible quarterback prospects broken down over part one and now part two uh before matt gives a little bit of a quick preview of some underclassmen to keep an eye on i want to I want to put out there my rankings. Uh, Tua stands at the top, number one. Justin Herbert, number two. Jake Brom, number three. Jordan Love, number four. Jacob Eason, number five. Derek King, number six. KJ Costello, number seven. Sam Ellinger, number eight. Jake Bentley, number nine. Shea Patterson, number 10. Followed by Nate Stanley at 11. Joe Burrow at 12. Anthony Russo at 13. Steven Montez at 14. And Cole McDonald at 15. That's my top 15 quarterback ranks right now. And guys, there were guys that I didn't even... There wasn't even enough film on, but there's some guys that I'm really excited for who aren't even underclassmen, and I'll let Matt get there in a second. But keep a close eye on Hunter Johnson out of Northwestern, former Clemson guy, uh, Tommy Stevens out of Mississippi State, Sean Clifford out of Penn State, uh, uh, another guy who I know Matt mentioned, I think, on the last episode, Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M. Those are just uh, Bryce Perkins out of Virginia. Those are just five other guys that I probably, if I could have had uh, Felipe Franks out of Florida, Kelly Bryan out of Missouri. You know, there's another Ian six or Book. seven. Ian Book and Blake Barnett out of USF. I probably could have done 25 guys, but the film was getting a little sparse on some of these guys. Some of them, there's, there's haven't been enough 
opportunity to play and start. So there wasn't, but there's, I'm, I'm sure I'll be adding another five to seven names on this of some of those guys that I just talked about because Barnett's a guy that people think is draftable. Uh, Felipe Franks, people think is draftable. We'll see if a guy like Hunter Johnson or Ian Book leaves school early and then I get him in the notebook. And then some real under the radar guys like Tommy Stevens is getting some hype and Sean Clifford out of Penn State, Bryce Perkins out of Virginia. So it'll be fun to see who else emerges from this 2020 draft class and who I got to get in the notebook as the year goes on or after the season. Matt, real quick to close it out, parting shots and some words of wisdom of some underclassmen to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, listen, my parting shots are the words of wisdom of the underclassmen, and these are some guys that I think really very few need an introduction. I'm going to tell you the guys that we need to be aware of, the guys that are going to be part of that, what I consider to be probably the greatest, uh, (laughs) one of the best quarterback classes maybe um, possible, Um, and that's going to be the players of the 2021 class, the potential 21 class. And I'm talking about players like Trevor Lawrence. We already know who he is. Justin Fields going to be starting at Ohio State. Even though it hasn't been announced, he probably will be the starter. And I think he's going to light the world on fire. Dorian Thompson Robinson continues to play with starter level ability um, at UCLA. And I think it's just a matter of time before he starts kind of being more entrenched. JT Daniels at U- at USC is somebody that we want to keep an eye on this upcoming season as well. Matt Corral at Old Miss is going to get the starting job at Old Miss. I'm excited for him. Think Brett Favre when you think of Matt Corral. I'm very excited for him as a quarterback. Um, also Justin Rogers is now back to full health. He'll be starting at TCU. I love Justin Rogers. He's a great, great pocket passer. He has the ability to, to kind of do things on design runs, but he is uh, more of a touch pocket passer. Very intriguing player. I love him a lot in terms of what he can bring to the table. And of course, just announced recently a player that I've been really excited. I stashed him in a lot of leagues because I was just that excited about his high school film. And that's Jaron Williams is now starting at Miami. Jaron Williams played in one of the most challenging high school, um, one of the most challenging high school level of competitions in football in the country. And he was nothing short of outstanding in terms of creating and being a leader for those teams. I think he's a guy that's going to surprise everybody. People are going to be like, where have you been all my life? And I think Jaron Williams is going to catapult himself into the discussion of being a very good quarterback. Some other guys to keep your eyes on, Adrian Martinez, a guy who is just absolutely blowing things up at Nebraska. He's a guy that's going to emerge very quickly as part of this, again, star-studded class. And one other player to just keep your eye on. I know that, um, you know, there's, um, he, he, there's rumors that, uh, I forget if it was because he was on retreat or for religious reasons. I, I forget what the story behind it was, but Tanner Mackey, uh, Mackey is a player that went to Stanford, um, and he'll be coming back this upcoming season. Um, is next season or the following season. He's a player not to forget about in your deeper leagues. As we look at the freshmen, just some names to keep on your kind of the tip of your tongue when we look at the freshman quarterback position. It's not as deep as the last class, but I think there's some really top-end talent. My number one quarterback in the freshman notebooks was Bo Nix. And Bo Nix to me is a guy who I think is eventually going to start at Auburn. I had him in terms of being the best in the class in terms of poise, play speed, and I had him as my third best in terms of arm talent and his scrambling ability. I had him second best in the class. He was my top quarterback, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. Um, if the Justin, you know, not, not the Justin, excuse me, if the, um, if the, God, 
uh, Jalen Hurts uh, experiment may not work out. Um, they already have Spencer Rattler in the wings who's going to take over. He's a very dynamic and extremely good quarterback, very much like him. He was my number two quarterback. Graham Mertz out of Wisconsin doesn't, I don't know if he's going to start yet or not, but he brings those traditional quarterback capacities that you want to see. Jaden Daniels is going to be starting in Arizona State. That's another player that I really liked out of high school. He's going to be starting for Herm Edwards over there at Arizona State. So it's interesting to see him. Um, and Ryan Holinsky, who is a player to be on the aware of, he's in South Carolina and may take over. Uh, once Jake Bentley departs. So he's an interesting player to keep your track of. Those guys, there's about, Paul, there's honestly, there's a lot of quarterback talent coming up. A lot. I mean, a lot. Yeah, listen, I'm excited. Every year when I we turn the page and I start watching the, the following year's guys, I always start with the quarterbacks. So I'm excited. You know, I'm excited for this class, but I'm already looking forward to next year, probably around June, when I start turning the page to 2021, guys. And I'll be starting with these quarterbacks and the Trevor Lawrences of the world and all these other guys you talked about. I'll be excited to dig into their film, you know, a year from now out. Uh, and then we'll be talking about them next. I promise under. you, Paul. I promise you, Paul. When you're done with that, no more than three. I'm going to say this: at least four. You're going to say are starting quarterbacks, at least. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. From the limited I've already seen in these guys, uh, I, I I can already see the talent that so many of them possess. So, on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound and tech engineer David Nakano and myself, hope you are enjoying these positional preview shows. We will be back next week, continuing with more and taking you from Saturday to Sunday.